What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode five of season three. I'm your host, Kurt Field. And it's your boy, Time Traveler Bruno. Kurt, ask me why I'm a time traveler today. Bruno, why are you a time traveler today? Well, fun little fact. Actually, more accurately, we are time travelers because, Whoa. first of all, time is a social construct. That is well known. Just repeating it for those who might be new here, even though you know everyone is a uh, repeat listener from the first episode. So I guess there's not really a ton of new people, minus the whole new audience. Second of all, <laughs> we I don't know if this is going behind the curtain a little bit. We just usually will record the football stuff and then the stats guy stuff. Now, today, we did Stats Guy stuff first, and now we're into football. So my brain, it was already a Monday. It was mush. You just went to the Patriots game yesterday. Your brain is mush, and now we're going backwards today. So if we get a little lost in the sauce today, you're going to know why. Yeah, my brain is mush. I feel like mush from all the beers. Just a lot of mush happening in, in, uh, in, this, in this body right now, Bruno. Mm. But with that being said, yes, I did go to the game yesterday. Yes, the game was wild. Yes, it was a great game. Yes, it was historical. Yes to all of the above. Um, and we'll do a deep dive into the Patriots stuff later uh, because I'm sure you have thoughts. Bruno and I haven't talked since yesterday, so um, don't really know where he's at after the game. Don't know. Well, still, no, can't confirm. Still don't really know where I'm at after the game. <laughs> um, but I, uh, we have a plenty, of other, plenty of other things to cover first, so why don't we just do the damn thing? Yeah, Kurt, speaking of mushing, uh, we're going to mush mush right along to this first game, not the Patriots. We are talking rewind, talking a little time traveling all the way back to last Thursday night. Last Friday night. That's like a callback, not a callback yet, because you'll, you'll get to that later. You will understand <laughs> later. Huge break. Kurt and I are on the same page with that. Huge. Oh, my God. That was huge brain stuff. Anyways, <laughs> last Thursday night, we got a little uh, spicy Bengals-Jaguars action. Uh, Bengals 24, Jaguars 21. I think what people were looking forward to this game was a matchup of young quarterbacks. we got Joe Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence. You know my position on the Jaguars. I've been saying they're hot trash all year. They did lose this game. They had a better first half. Trevor Lawrence actually looked good. They were up 14-0 at halftime. Classic Jaguars fashion. They kind of blew the game in the second half as the Bengals came back to win and hit a game-winning field goal as time expired. So not only did the uh, Jaguars lose that game, but Urban Meyer making the rounds on social media today for a video of him uh, out. You know, he played a Thursday night game. He had the weekend off out at a club doing a little dancing with a female who was not his wife. Who's to say what was happening? All we saw was the video. But Kurt, the Jaguars lost. Maybe one. Maybe did a little bit of both. But who knows? That You know, they lost the game. That's for sure. They certainly lost the game. Urban Meyer... Uh 
we're going to win the biggest douchebag award for the season and already got that in his hand. Um, probably the only award that the Jaguars will be winning this year. Speaking of not winning things, Falcons are pretty good at that, Bruno. Bang. Washington football team beats Fetlana 34-30 to in a pretty unexpected shootout. I, I don't know. I think you would agree with that. Taylor Heineke threw for three touchdowns, including two in the final four minutes. Uh, Bruno, one might say it's never really over. Speaking mm. of those, uh, that theme we were just talking oh. about. Um, so he outduels Matt Ryan, who also threw four touchdowns, and they came back and beat the Falcons. Falcons pretty, uh, pretty um, inept. That's not the right word. What's the word I'm looking for? They're pretty good at, at blowing, at blowing leads. Let's just put it that way. So Taylor Heineke continues to lead game-winning drives, and I think the question has to be asked: Is is he that dude? Uh, Kurt, it, he's playing like it, let me tell you, that's for sure. Uh, I don't think we maybe saw this coming, you know, maybe before the end of last year, start of this year, but he uh, had a pretty good playoff game against one Mr. Brady last year in the playoffs and has continued this year, Kurt. So, no doubt. Uh, yeah, we'll see. But uh, also, I don't know if you mentioned this as well, Cordero Patterson, uh, former I love, I love how you say his name. I don't, it might not be right, but that's Cordero. Right. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's Cordero. Uh, Cordero? <laughs> hey, it can be anything you want, Bruno. Yeah, so, yeah, he's he's back. He had three touchdowns. But, Kurt, uh, what a game. In terms of the next game we're looking at, uh, I don't know if we can do this all the time, but you're going to hear the Bills roar. Uh, the, <laughs> the Bills in an absolute curb stomp over the Texans, 40 to nothing. Um, yeah, the Bills, ever since they lost that really weird game, Game one to the Steelers have just looked unbeatable. They shut out the Texans, uh, 40 nothing. There's really nothing to really talk about this game. Bills looking good. Texans looking like they eat at the chum bucket with oh. LinkedIn in SpongeBob. Not great. So Kurt, uh, 40 nothing. Yeah, 40. Just a laughable game. Texans, uh, Pats are going to Houston next week for that game. Mm -hmm. Bills, no one wants to play the Bills right now after their Week One loss. They have been on a roll the last three games. Uh, a lot of fireworks, oh, no. I think, is what we'd call that one. Uh, there weren't many fireworks in that next game, Bruno. However, I will say, Justin Fields leads the Bears to a 24-14 victory over the Lions. He he got the start in this one with Andy Dalton out, and I, he played well. He played well. Now, on the episode last week, we were kind of we were kind of talking some some schmack um, about the about the the Bears, and I, we called them 0-3. We did correct ourselves. They're not 0-3. Believe it or not, Bruno, somehow they are 2-2 two and two now. So they're they're in the thick of it. Um, I think the biggest takeaways for both sides is, you know, the Bears did suffer an injury. David Montgomery left the game, roughed up knee, getting tested today. Did you see anything with, about that? I didn't see anything further, just their Me testing. Me either. Yeah. yeah, just doing some testing. Lions down 10 with the ball. The Chicago 8, four minutes left. Fourth and one call. Instead of kicking... Instead of going for it, they kick a field goal. Do you what are you what is your quick take on that? What? Dumb decision? I mean, bruh, like I get that it's the fourth and one, but it's like you're gonna have to get the touchdown and field goal anyways, right? So like you gotta score there, and I just think on fourth down, it's like you have to score. You need two more scores, so just take the field goal and then yep. go from there. Take the points. Take the points. Yeah, so that was a a questionable decision in the Lions game there. Uh, another questionable thing, Kurt, I think unconditionally our loss to the Dolphins is going to go down as one of the worst losses of the season considering the Dolphins just continue to go uh, they lose to the Colts 27 to 17 uh, it kind of seemed closer than it was but it was 27 10 Colts uh, with five minutes to go so really they are kind of in control the whole time Carson Wentz honestly you know we've been joking about his two bum ankles not just one two bum ankles the whole season he gets into the win column I don't know what the deal is with the Dolphins. I don't know what the deal is with Tua. I mean, again, they beat us. 
at this point, you know, I that again that might go down with the Bills Steelers game as one of the more puzzling games there is. So good for the Colts to get a, a W for the season, but uh, we'll see where the Dolphins go from here. Yeah, it, I just there. I don't think there's a long-term answer at quarterback for the Dolphins. To be completely honest with you, um, that loss that the Patriots did have in Week One to them is continually going to look worse and worse as the Patriots sit one and three right now. It's just uh, that. That's definitely one they're they're going to, that they're going to regret in the long run. I think, unfortunately. However, with that being said, Bruno, um, the next game I wasn't really I I had no interest in it, no interest in it at all. I was dreaming of California girls, actually, oh to, to be completely honest with you, Bruno. <laughs> but anyway, I will we'll have to talk about it. Uh, Browns fourteen over the <laughs> Browns fourteen seven over the Vikings. Horrifically but ugly game. Kirk Cousins bad. Dalvin Cook bad. Baker Mayfield bad obj bruno you guessed it bad mm. essentially both teams were under four point yards per play which is uh yeah once again bad so i just vikings scored first didn't score again for like three and a half quarters their offense did nothing brown's offense is it, it at times can be lethal it certainly wasn't yesterday that's for sure uh, somehow the Browns are three and one. It's certainly not an impressive three and one because those wins, Bruno, Texans, Bears, and now the Vikings. So while while the Browns do look like they could contend this year, kind of got to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, I mean, again, the good thing is that they're getting the wins because, like we said, it's hard to hard to win in the NFL. So the good news is they're figuring it out while winning. Moving forward, though, we'll have to see. I mean, their division's kind of up in the air, but you know, we'll see how the Browns continue to play, especially Baker Mayfield, one team that's been kind of hot and cold this year is the New Orleans Saints. Last week, we see them put down a beatdown of the Patriots. Uh, and then this week, what a game for the Giants. The Giants stunned the Saints 27-21 to 21 in overtime with Saquon running it in. I think the biggest thing for the Saints is that, like, clearly they still have some things to figure out. Obviously, the, the talent is there, especially in all the skill positions. Again, eventually they're going to be getting Michael Thomas back, but they still have to figure out this whole Jameis situation. It's clear that, like, again, his week one performance of five touchdowns, not something that you can certainly expect every week. But again, when you have players like Kamara and all their other, uh, Taysom Hill and all their other weapons, clearly they should be doing better than this. As far as the Giants go, they were down 11 in the fourth quarter, and Daniel Jones, Mr. Daniel Jones, turned it up a notch. And they came all the way back to tie it and then win in overtime. So good news for them. They got the win. Saquon looking maybe not all the way back, but partially back. And, you know, what a day for the Giants. Yeah, big day for the Giants. Another New York team that was a big day for Bruno, mm. the New York Jets. Wow. New York Jets also win in overtime 27-24 over who we thought might be a dark horse, the Tennessee <laughs> Titans. So I just I think the biggest takeaway for me, there were two from this game. A number one, Zach Wilson started to finally look like the number two overall pick. His his fourth quarter specifically was was dynamite. Lights out. He made every throw on the run, under pressure, did it all. So that's that's a very encouraging sign for the New York Jets. The second thing, uh, Titans had a chance to tie the game in the final seconds of overtime, but their kicker missed a 49-yard field goal, and it was a the party was on at MetLife. Yeah, um, I can't believe that the Jets won a game. I'm just going to be completely honest. Yep, there uh, it goes. <laughs> Bruno, we are uh, the Patriots are tied at the bottom of the division with the Dolphins and the Jets, who are 1-3 and three as well. So okay. the fact that we have the same amount of wins as the Jets, mm, mm, not good. Didn't need to hear that. That is very depressing. <laughs> um, but you know what? Good for the Jets. It is classic Jets that they, they uh, um, won because of a missed field goal from the other team. So, yep. like, again, yep. that is yep. very classic Jets. But you yep. know what? If you're a Jets fan, you're taking it. 
Uh, speaking of taking it, Kurt, this next game, the Eagles certainly took it because Patrick Mahomes was playing out of this world like he's E.T., throwing for five <laughs> touchdowns in the Chiefs, uh, putting up 42 on the Eagles and winning 42 to 30. I will say, one thing you and I both have agreed to is that the Chiefs defense is leaving much to be desired. I think they still have a lot to figure out in terms of stopping really anyone because if you're allowing Jalen Hurts and the Eagles to put up 30, and honestly, like, you know, some of them were just kind of like, how are the Eagles having their way with the defense? I will say, I know, again, there's no moral victories in the NFL, but good for the Eagles that they were to put, put up that many points. I think, though, that if you're the Chiefs, obviously, again, we talk about September, October football games where you're rounding into shape. This is either going to be a troubling sign for their chances at being a real contender this year if they're not, if they haven't figured it out on defense, or again, you're just going to have to hope that they're putting up tons of points right now and they'll figure out from the defensive side of it. So good that they got the win now. We'll see what it means moving forward. Yeah, no doubt. So, Bruno, up at Mile High in Denver, the Ravens win 23 to 7 over the Broncos. Uh, I think. I think the biggest takeaway for me in this game is that Teddy Bridgewater uh, left the game with a concussion. Now, I think it's ironic because we talked about this in the live yesterday. I said, like, I didn't believe – I didn't really believe in the Broncos because I wasn't a huge Teddy Bridgewater guy. And if anything ever happened to him, Drew Locke was in the game. Now, I think I kind of – I think I kind of did a, a jinx. I think I jinxed them because oh. once, once Drew Locke went into the game, it was over. Um, the Ravens' pass rush was just too much. They were able to pin their ears back. And what was really interesting to me in this one too, Bruno, was the fact that Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, we talked about this in the live, they're so good at running the football. They, they ran it okay yesterday, but it was what they, it was what they did in the passing game that was, uh, was so impressive. Lamar threw for over 300 yards, only one touchdown. But if you hear the, the Ravens throw for over 300 yards, you would think you would think – I don't know. That, that's kind of surprising, right? So I think um, my biggest takeaway is the Ravens went on the road to a tough place, to a tough place, and they they got a, they got a big win over a team that was previously undefeated. That that that's pretty resilient, Bruno. Oh no, I was hoping you'd be done with that because I'm struggling to keep up here. No. But Kurt, I'd agree with that. My only other point to uh, my other other point to add on here was that. I don't know if you saw this. There was a little bit of a back and forth between the two coaches going about the end of the game. Basically, the rundown is the Ravens with like 16 seconds left or I forget, like the last minute or so. Instead of taking a knee, they were they were kept running the ball instead of when they clearly won. Yeah. Instead of taking a knee. I guess that's because they have a streak of uh, rushing like games in a row with 100, at least 100 rushing yards. And they needed, they got 100 through this game and they got it on their very last play. It's like they needed to do it. So then Vic Fangio was like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I've been 37 years years in the league i've never seen this and john harbach was like oh why are you throwing hail mary's down 16 with 16 seconds left so this is a little bit of back and forth yep. just thought it was funny classic yep. grumble grumble mumble mumble <laughs> um in our next game kurt um i didn't have anything prepared so i forgot which ones we viewed which we haven't aaron Rodgers spent this offseason kissing a girl and he liked it no we did not we didn't we didn't use that one that's all i got i know he's uh got engaged to shillene woodley i think that maybe happened this offseason i've lost track of time we're time travelers today he's probably kissed 
her and she's a girl, I assume it's 2021. Not assuming, but nope. I would assume in this case. Yep. So he probably liked it. So that's <laughs> there's no connection other than that. Uh, on the other side of things, you know, who's not doing anything great, Big Ben, because he's dead. The Steelers looks absolutely terrible. We've been kind of talking about it for a while. We thought maybe coming into this year, uh, he might be revitalized with his supposed diet and new offensive coordinator. Nope. And a big fat nope. The Steelers stink. I know they had some wide receiver injuries this past week, but even still, they just didn't look, they don't look at all like they're going in the right direction. Meanwhile, after the blowout from game one, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are really on the upswing, especially after last week. It was, it would have been interesting to see if this was a letdown game for them. We'll preview letdown games in the upcoming segments, right? Um, but yeah, I think it was, a, you know, a good, you know, check the box kind of win for the Packers. And if you're the Steelers, you know, at what point do we have to talk about other QB options, Kurt? Is the time right now? Yeah, the time is right now. I, the, Ben Roethlisberger is not going to take that team anywhere. Um, it's it's a sad reality of what it has come to in Pittsburgh, but that's just what it's come to. Uh, it's either Dwayne Haskins' time or it's time for somebody else because otherwise that offense has no no ability to to push the ball down the field to do anything uh, anything like a, a effective. Essentially, they're relying too much on Najee Harris. That's a lot for a rookie running back. There has to be some sort of passing game to complement him. I do think that, uh, you know, if you look at Ben Roethlisberger's stats yesterday, it's like they don't look terrible on the surface. If you watch the game, you saw how bad Ben Roethlisberger was. So with that being said, that is the end of the uh, the quick recaps. No more time for small talk, oh, Bruno. No. We're I'm going. Gonna, I, I, I surrender. <laughs> okay. You win. I surrender. We're, we're going into the longer recaps. I have one more for you, Bruno. Uh, okay. Cowboy. Okay, so longer longer recaps now. Yep. Obviously, one game yesterday that stood out with some of the other ones: Cowboys thirty-six, Panthers twenty-eight. Now, obviously, the Panthers were three and zero, and it was looking like Sam Darnold was the one who got away. God damn it, that was so good. From the Jets. (laughs) But it's October, and naturally Sam Darnold turned back into a pumpkin. So, Mm. um, I mean, he wasn't that bad, but he had a couple really costly interceptions that helped Dak and the Cowboys offense take down the Panthers. Um, I think that, again, kind of similar to if you looked at Ben Roethlisberger's stats, if you caught this game in the fourth quarter, it was 36-14. to It simply wasn't close. Um, Carolina did score two touchdowns late. Everyone kind of boosted their stats. But that used to happen a lot in those Patriots games like a couple years ago when the Pats were up by so much. And then all of a sudden the team drives down the field twice, scores two touchdowns, accumulate like an extra 200 yards passing. That's kind of like what happened in the Carolina game yesterday. Um, so obviously the Carolina's not undefeated anymore. They dropped to 3-1. and one. But I think the bigger takeaway for me, Bruno, and I want, I want your thoughts on this, is – it's just that the Cowboys are a really good football team. I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. I think the Cowboys are, I don't know what my power rankings would be. I haven't really thought about this, but they're my top five. They're my top five. The defense is flying around. The offense is legit. Ezekiel Elliott went off yesterday, 143 yards rushing, one touchdown. Dak was an ultra-efficient 14 of 22. So, again, they didn't drop back and throw it very much, but 14 passing pass attempts for 188 yards and four touchdowns, uh, that'll play. That'll play, Bruno. What is your thought? Is it more is it more Dallas being good or Carolina not, you know, exactly living up to the hype? Uh, so I think you hit the nail on the head. I have been kind of 
on the Cowboys since the first predictions, not to brag, humble brag, kind of bragging. I thought they would come out of the NFC beast. So for me, Kurt, we had talked about previously how we didn't necessarily buy into the Panthers start and we wanted to use this as like a test. But I think both you and I were kind of leaning anyways that it might be a little too good to be true. So to me, I kind of expected for sure the Cowboys to win. Like you said, though, they looked dominant. It was only this close because they scored extra late when the Cowboys kind of fell asleep because they knew they had already won the game. Yep. So to me, I agree with you a lot in that not only did the Cowboys beat the Panthers, but they won in dominant fashion. Like, yes, the final score looks close. Was it really that close? Absolutely no, not. They not even a little that. bit. Yep. Yeah. So I think this is a lot about the Cowboys. And again, like, you know, what would happen if they play the Bucks again? You know, what if they had played the Bucks later in the season? Not Dak's first game back, not the season opener, not, you know, whatever. When they, they did almost beat the Bucks that first game. You know what I mean? They, it would they, be... They... They easily, not easily is the wrong word, but they could have. They were in that game. It took another Tom Brady comeback. That's all. Yeah, exactly. So I think this says a lot about the Cowboys. And again, Zeke even had a, a not so great start to the year. Now he's rounding the form. Like you said, Dak playing efficient. And again, it's only his fourth game back from all this injury stuff. So yeah, the Cowboys look good, Kurt. Uh, and I think moving forward, we're going to have to keep them high in those power rankings to kind of see how they, they yep. end up this year. No doubt. I think another team that looks absolutely good and in that top five consideration, Kurt, is the Arizona Cardinals. Kurt, let me let me let me tell you something. I'm not really asking, I'm just gonna tell you something. Okay. Kurt, when dinner's on the table, daddy's gotta eat. That's all I gotta say. And the Cardinals certainly, certainly were eating yesterday. They go in to LA, into SoFi Stadium, into Inglewood, hometown of our very own Paul Pierce. And what do they uh. do, Kurt? By double digits, they beat the Rams for the first time since January 2017. Huh? They beat was, those. They, they beat those California girls. <laughs> they beat those California girls. Honestly, if we had gotten this far, I was going to use that here, but it, it got taken. I did take it. Drafting, yeah, that's so fine. It, it. Was, it was fine. It was fine. We didn't coordinate that. But anyways, I think so. One thing you and I all year have been saying was the Cardinals started hot last year and then they faded. Right? That was something that we had talked about last year, and we were wondering what was going to happen this year. It's still early, for sure. It's only been four games. But one of the signs that this year's team, Kurt, is hashtag built different is just the fact that, like, let's face the facts. They just went in, in into L.A. to the team that just beat the Bucks last week and put their cards on the table. <laughs> I knew what just, you were going to say. <laughs> put their cards on the table and just really just put a beat down on the Rams. Like, yes, the final margin was almost was only 17. I say only, like that's still a lot, but it honestly felt like it could have been more. And I think what was most impressive to me, Kurt, about this game was that Kyler Murray, so he threw for 268 and two touchdowns. Those are good, right? Maybe that's not like the video game numbers that we're used to from him this first two weeks, but they are, they are their offense has so many dimensions. The three different pass catchers from the Cardinals had 66 yards receiving or more. Kind of spooky. It was 67, 67, 66. Kind of wish that one more yep. yard at the end got yep. whatever. I'm not yep. mad. I'm just mad. Um, so they're spreading it around. Even the run game. So James Conner did nothing to start the year. So Chase Edmonds was always going to be the feature back. Edmonds had 120 yards rushing yesterday. Connor chipped in with two touchdowns. He kind of seems like the touchdown guy. So basically where I'm going with this, Kurt, is that the Cardinals are just rounding into form for one of the more unstoppable offenses in the league, Kurt. Let me read to you their last, these four games of the season, their point totals. 38, 34, 31, and 37. That's pretty fucking good. If That's I like 2007 myself. Patriots good. Oh, I like what you did there. So... Yep. Yeah, I, and so obviously, you know, nothing but praise for the Cardinals. I think for the Rams, Kurt, and I would like your thoughts on this, 
this could have been a letdown game. I think, you know, coming off beating Tom Brady and the Bucks last week, which was a pretty convincing game for them, and that kind of solidified them as contenders. Stafford had played unbelievable so far. We had all been talking about the Rams being contenders. Not that this means they're not, but I just wonder if, like, you know, mentally maybe they had, like, let down some of the sharpness or they, you know, didn't come into here, you know, fully focused or whatever because they kind of had a bunch of mistakes. I mean, Matt Stafford looked okay. He kind of looked like for the first time he was forcing the ball to Cooper Cup this week oh Cooper def- Cup, definitely one of the best receivers so far this season he was targeted 13 times and only caught five passes so i'm not a math guy but that's not a great percentage not good. our our former boy hashtag never forget 2018 sony michelle lost a fumble their kicker matt gay missed a field goal stafford had a pick so really i'm just pointing those out all in all that it didn't seem like yesterday the rams were as sharp as they uh, had been, but Kurt, what like what are your thoughts? Whether it's the Cardinals' offense being unbelievable, the Rams being in a letdown game, what are your thoughts on this game? So my thoughts on this game are I'm shocked because did, did you pick the Rams yesterday too, or, or did you we ride Cardinals? Okay, we I can I can remember. So um, I w- I was of the mindset that after the Rams game last week beating the Bucks, I was like this team this team is doesn't have a weakness. Their defense is great. Their offense is great. Their offense is great. <laughs> <laughs> Sean McVay, oh god, Sean Mc, <laughs> Sean McVay, I think is one of the best coaches in the NFL. So I was like, they got it, they got it all going on. Um, I think it was a letdown game. You come off of a huge game like that, you win at home, um, but I feel like it's this is kind of bound to happen in some divisional games. Like it, I've always been the uh, the kind of guy who's said that in a divisional game, throw out all the records because you got those two teams know each other so well. There's no real secrets between anybody. You kind of have them figured out a little bit. Um, I was really impressed with the Cardinals. I would just take it with a grain of salt, though. I, we saw this from the Cardinals last year. They came out of the gates red hot, piping hot. I know it's another year. I'm more experienced with Kyler Murray. I understand all that. I get it. I know they have D-Hop. I know. But with that being said, like this this almost exact thing happened last year. So I'm I'm struggling a little bit to come out here and be like, yep, I'm all in on the Cardinals because I was all in on the Cardinals last year and it bit me in the ass. So that's kind of where I stand, Bruno. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I hope for my dear friend Max Klein's sake that this Cardinals are hashtag built different. But Kurt, we will just have to see. We sure will have to see. Bruno, the final game we're talking about in this longer recap is um, it's one that when I saw the result of the game, I was thinking of you. Hmm. Shout hmm. out. You like how I slid that in there again? Oh God! Yeah, you didn't, you didn't even get that. One. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Song, <laughs> yeah. if we're being thinking of you. Is that a, is that a popular one? Thinking I may of you. It's listen. a sad bop. Okay, sad, sad bop. I'll put that on the list. No, thinking of you because um, in the pick six, uh, <laughs> you got it right. I didn't. So Seahawks 28, 49ers 21. Another NFC West divisional game. Um, <laughs> I will say that. Um, <laughs> Sir Bruno, Octavius, Maximilian, Knight of the Brigade, the Braggadocious, and Brilliant Briskin. <laughs> Let's go, baby. Correctly picked that game, and uh, Kurt didn't. So that, that, that's, that's, <laughs> Thank you, Kurt. Yeah, that was big of you. Yeah, you're welcome, Sir Bruno, Octavius, Maximilian, Knight of the Brigade, the Braggadocious, Ooh. and Brilliant Briskin. Um, I will never say that again on this show. Um, <laughs> I just I, – I I was shocked about this game, too. Right, I, right. I, I had said this on the live yesterday. I was like, you know, every time I arrive with Seattle and they've kind of let me down as of late, I was like, so screw it. I'm going 49ers. And Seattle was like, nah, fam, you should have picked us this week because um, this was a total bounce back game for Seattle. Um, after, five, well, 
I will say, it didn't start great for the Seahawks. They had five straight three and outs to start the game. Uh, but after that, holy crap. That was, I say, holy crap and holy cow, and it came out holy crow. So mm. from oh, now, from, so holy crow. Mm. Um, Russ throws for two TDs, rushes for another. Um, I do think that Seattle still can allow Russell to do more. Does that make sense, Bruno? Yeah. I, I still feel like you you know how last year you heard so much about like DK Metcalf and you yeah. heard so much about like their explosive offense. It's just looked. It's looked less explosive to me as of late. Um, that could be for a multitude of other reasons. It's not like the same old Seattle team where they have this like ridiculous defense that always gives the ball back to the offense and so on and so forth. But it's, I, it just seems like I think they can let Russ cook more. Do you agree? I agree. Okay. So after that, Seattle defense recovers the San Francisco fumble. They get another pick, helps seal the deal. A late touchdown, two-point conversion with one minute left, brought the game to within one score and made the final score look much closer than it had been. And now we've had that we've we've had that issue with a couple other games so far this yep. yesterday. It's like one of those things where again, you look at the you if you didn't watch the game, if you if you look at the stats after, you're like, oh okay, you know, relatively competitive. Again, game not relatively competitive. Um, the thing that has plagued the 49ers over the last couple of years. Yeah, you know it. I know it. Whole nation knows it. It's injuries. They can't stay healthy. Last year, especially, uh, it just absolutely decimated them. Any any chance they had to go on a run last year uh, was decimated by bad injury luck, and it happened again yesterday. So Jimmy G, who is one of the most fra- one of the most fragile human beings in the world, leaves the game with an Achilles injury, and he's out a couple weeks. Now he he was talking in the in a, in a press conference, and he was like, you know, let's just hope it's a couple weeks. I have a feeling it's going to be long. That's like potentially season ending. Um, yeah. It's just, I like the guy. I think he's an okay quarterback. Okay at best. I'm not saying he's great, um, but he is so fragile. He's like, a, he's like made of glass. So he's out for the time being. Trey Lance did what he could. Obviously wasn't enough to keep up with Seattle. Um, also the 49ers kicker pregame groin injury. I mean, just from, from the get go, just not good stuff. Where, Bruno, so with all that being said, okay, we've talked about the AFC West, I mean the NFC West the last two games here. Mm-hmm. Give me give me your 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 big picture for the NFC West right now. Where where are we at? Right. So again, hand up, I'll be the bigger man here. You did not know in the pick six that both Jimmy G and their kicker were getting injured, so those were unlucky bounces for Kurt. I'm not gonna make you take back my title. You're still you've said that and that now I'm gonna get a clip of that and play that at all times. But, you know, hand up to you, credit to you, you did not know that, so I will say that's that. I think big picture, so here's what I'll say. 49ers, complete unknown. I mean, if Trey Lance is starting, like you said, at least a couple weeks in the rest of the season, people forget he played at, like, an FCS school, and if I'm not mistaken, he played, like, like one showcase game last year. Yeah, so he's all of a sudden good. going from that to starting. So that, I don't know if it's going to be great. The Seahawks wildly inconsistent right we saw it all of last year and they're clearly still figuring it out they're just bouncing there as we like to said earlier they're another hot and cold team i know it's a repeating but they're another hot and cold team so really <laughs> if we're talking about looking at the nfc west right now it's the cardinals and it's the rams and right and so i i hate to do this because i'm really riding the cardinals wagon kurt i really want the Cardinals. i know to legit. you did really last year too them, right and i want them to do well because they're so exciting and all that stuff i just think that especially because one of the Cardinals wins was against the Jaguars and it was a rather unimpressive win. I think the Rams 
but with their, you know, again, in recent years, you know, they made it to the Super Bowl the year they lost to us, shout out us. They've been in the playoffs, been in the postseason conversation for all this time. They have a lot of proven playmakers on both offense and defense, and even adding in Matt Stafford. Yeah, he's new to the team. He's been around the league. Maybe not playoffs, so maybe we'll see that when we get down there, but at least in terms of being a veteran quarterback, he's that. So I would give more credence to the Rams at this point, being three and one, still working in the new quarterback. And again, you could look at this more like a letdown game. Um, I, I think that I would I, it would be safer to bet on the Rams yeah. to end up being on top of this division moving forward than the Cardinals. Yeah, but it is going to be exciting. I agree. Um, it, get your popcorn ready. Get your popcorn get ready. ready because it's gonna it's gonna be that's gonna be a race you're gonna want to follow all the way to Week 17. Um, I think plenty of people had their popcorn ready for last night's game, Bruno. Oh yeah. Let's, if you didn't, no excuse. Let's talk. Let's talk paths. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right. I'm ready. Let let me uh, let me set the scene for you because we again we haven't chatted we haven't chatted so obviously I was there yesterday <laughs> humble brag not to brag not to brag but also <laughs> really bragging uh, I was there yesterday and I went I went with like one of my best friends Jake and we both agreed like hey we're gonna tailgate we're gonna do our thing but then like let's get into the stadium early like we want to yep. be in there to see like we were on the side of the field that Tom Brady ran to because he came from the <clears throat> visitors locker room oh man sheesh. sheesh so we we got down to where where we were sitting in the ninth row <clears throat> humble brag and um <laughs> when tom ran out of the tunnel and then when he made his little his way across the field and did his like let's go fist pump i would say the stadium was like mm, let's just call it one third full 33 percent. okay um math guy mm. fractions Oh, no. Percentages. Don't say the F word <laughs> yeah. around Baker. <laughs> so, but my whole point in saying this is it was so loud. Like, they gave him they gave him a warm welcome. When he finally did his, like, fist bump and yelled, like, let's go, like Psycho Tom, I mean, the place just, the place erupted. Now, here's where it got interesting. Immediately after Tom ran out in the field for warm-ups, and remember, warm-ups, not full stadium, warm-ups, Mac Jones runs out of the tunnel. He runs down the other, uh, other whole 100 yards, the other side of the field. Yep. The applause Mac Jones got was louder than the one Tom Brady got. Okay. Can wholeheartedly say that. Wholeheartedly say that. that. So then warm-ups happen, blah, 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 blah. Both teams go back to their locker rooms. Uh, then the Patriots play a one-minute video tribute to Brady, um, which was, like, strange because there was, like, no announcement. The lights were on. Hmm. Uh, like, no one really knew it was happening until, like, people started, like, cheering um, and so they were looking at the board, um, and it was timed perfectly because, of course, it is. It's nostalgic. Um, right. And I'm sure, like, NBC probably had something to do with it. But they um, timed it perfectly, so the video ended. They sh- the, cam- the scoreboard pan like, – the, the camera pans to Brady with they show on the, show on the scoreboard, and he's Got running it. out of the tunnel, like, fist pumping. Um, and everyone was chanting again, and it was like, Brady – Brady, oh, yeah, but it was cool. It was like it was like a congratulations, like thank you for everything you've done. You put this franchise on your back for twenty years. That whole thing, which is what I wanted. I wanted that. Yeah. The minute kickoff started, mm. he was he was arch enemy number one. Oh, he was he was a villain. 
I mean, the boo, wow. Bruno, the boos. I have, I have to admit something. Late in the game, when he ran, he ran for a touchdown. Me, Kurt Field, I yelled, "Fuck you, Tom." Me, oh I yelled, my god! Yeah, I heated the moment. Everyone around me was hating on him, so I was like, "All right, I'm jumping in here." But Kurt time. I know, it, dude. It was weird, but again, I was happy because it was like this. It, it was some closure. And, like, I read an article yesterday, or maybe it was, and it might have been sometime early this morning on the drive home. Time travel. Yeah. Mm. Um, just, like, about, uh, I think the over, what happened in the game happened in the game. Patriots lose 19-17. Yep. But there was just, like, this, like, I don't know how to describe it. It was almost, like, relief, like, on the part of Brady, on the part of Belichick, on the part of the Patriots fans. It's just like yep. this game was so hyped up. It when it ended, everyone was just like whew, like deep breath because it was it was so emotional from so many different points of view here. And um I think it was I think it was interesting because all week I was trying to think about like well, like it's going to cheer for Brady the whole game. Like, is it when the Pats have the ball they cheer, but then when the Bucks have the ball they also cheer? That's not how it was. That was one of the rowdiest groups of fans I've ever been around. Hum- Humble brag again. That was my 17th Patriots game. 17. Yeah, I'm 15 and two now. Bullshit. Damn. Bullshit. Two That's two crazy. losses this year. <laughs> Bullshit. Um, also, the Pats are 0-3 at home this year. Anyways, I just think I just think the game was competitive. The game was great. NBC couldn't have asked for anything more. Um, and it was two good teams battling. Like the Patriot, my uh, the Patriots hung with the Super Bowl champs from last year. Now, the Super Bowl champs did have some injuries. The Patriots obviously went out and reloaded. But the fact of the matter is, the Patriots played with the Bucks, and the Bucks can really play with anyone. So that was my biggest takeaway from that. Bruno, what was your overarching thoughts? You watched the telecast. I obviously didn't. Um, what was, was the telecast good? Was it bad? What was your summary? Like, big picture thoughts from yesterday. Sure. So, yes, uh, I appreciate hearing the kind of, like, live reaction and recap of what went down in the stadium. I would say we probably had similar big picture takeaways. The only thing you missed from the telecast was Chris Collinsworth literally is in love with Mac Jones. Like, literally. I think he he might think that Mac Jones is his son because he was just dialing it up for how much he loved Mac Jones, which I'm fine with as a Patriots fan. You know, any love you want to throw Mac Jones' way, that's fine. That's the only thing you missed from the telecast. But on that note, Big picture takeaway, he looked great in a game where, again, like Mac Jones, not like an afterthought, but everyone is talking about Brady Belichick, and he's like, hey, I'm the other QB out here. What does he do? Plays way better than last week, completes at one point 19 passes in a row, really keeps us in the game with a lot of those drives that were ended up being our touchdown drives. So my biggest takeaway is, like you said, I think, well, I'll come back a little bit later to this other point, but the biggest takeaway for me is how well Mac Jones played and how exciting that is moving forward. Yeah, um, you said how much better he played than last week. I'm just going to call a spade a spade. He played way better than Tom Brady this week. He, no, he did. I mean, that's just not me being a, that's just not me being a Patriots right. fan. Like t- Mac Jones played better than Tom Brady. Tom Brady was like oddly inaccurate yesterday. Like, I don't know. I don't know. It just yeah. it just didn't seem as crisp as it is. And I, again, that could have been because of the weather. Weather sucked. It could have been because of the emotions. I can't even imagine. I cannot even imagine being in Tom Brady's shoes yesterday. Um, yeah. The whole thing was just bananas. But I can confidently tell you Tom, that Mac outplayed Tom. That is an unbelievable takeaway going forward. The Patriots have found their quarterback. If you ha- if you haven't read it, um, go to Twitter. Or go to NBC Sports Boston and look at the article Phil Perry wrote because, yeah, the Patriots still have some problems. They have some stuff they got to figure out. Obviously, they're sitting at one and three. 
that's not good. But the biggest thing is one thing they don't have to they don't have a question about is their quarterback. Mac Jones is the guy going forward, and it looks like it's a pretty awesome thing for the Patriots fans. Um, one thing that I loved yesterday too, our tight ends got involved in the red zone. Like, oh yeah, we needed that so bad. How, when was the last time we had like a competent tight end in the red zone? At Gronk, Gronk, and the guy who we shall not name because you know, <laughs> because I mean the tight ends in the red zone was awesome, but. I have some – so, yeah, Mac, tight ends, great. Kendrick Bourne, yeah. awesome yesterday. Kendrick Bourne, oh, yeah. awesome. Those are some things I liked from the offense. Now, the, offensive does ha- the offense does have some problems, though. They have some problems. Offensive line can't block anybody. Can't, I mean, cannot block anybody. Again, so many pressures on Mac yesterday. He was on the turf. He got hu- I think he got hit, hit, not hurried, hit 12 times, sacked four times. Um, and uh, – Without Trent Brown, it's like it's just not good. We we went out and traded for him. We went out and got Trent I Brown know. back, and he hasn't done anything. It's not his fault. But like also, he practiced all week. I didn't think I, I didn't think this was going to be a thing. I I wonder if it's because it's like a guy of his size. He's like six foot eight, three hundred and eighty pounds or something. I wonder if like a calf strain for someone that big. Like you're carrying just way more weight, a lot more strain. A lot more yeah. strain. It could be like a, a issue where they're taking it slow because. If they want to make a run, they need Trent Brown. But at the same time, you're not going to be able to make a run at anything if you're out of contention already. So it's like right. I'm a little surprised Trent Brown's been out for so long. They need him back. But the biggest thing about yesterday from the offense, what is going on with the running game? Dude, I was going to bring that up if you didn't. Dude, how, we ran it has to be like single-digit times, it felt like. we, I think we ran it like seven times. Which is absurd. And we gained zero yards, maybe? Are we? The Patriots finished the game with minus one yard rushing. <laughs> Yikes. Damian Harris, four <laughs> rushes, minus four yards. That's Man. your lead back. Brandon Bolden Yikes. had a couple rushes, zero yards. Like, Yikes. I know Tampa's defensive line is stout with Ndamukong Sue and Vita Vey, who is unbelievable. Yeah. But, like, really? Yeah. We can we, – I mean, on, like, third and one, we couldn't – we decided we can't run the ball. That's insane. Like, that's insane. Now, I will say, though, I do give Josh McDaniels credit for – completely abandoning the run because it wasn't working like it was like me when i play madden i'm like yeah this ain't working i'm, pa- I'm passing <laughs> that ain't I'm, it chief i'm passing every single play <laughs> yeah. um and um the patriots that's quite literally what they did they passed on right. almost every single play and mac was awesome mac had 275 yards passing two touchdowns the interception was not great but again it was deflected it was tipped yeah. and he had a, a, a free rusher at him again like right and there were times yesterday where Mac was so elusive in the pocket, there were free rushers coming at all times, and he was sidestep. He'd he'd outrun them. He'd, he'd give them a little shimmy shimmy, um, something. And I don't know. I just can't talk enough about how well Mac played. Now, something we do have to talk about. Okay, mm-hmm. this was a big improvement for the defense. Do you agree? Like holding the Bucks oh, yeah. to nineteen points. Like situationally, they was they were pretty good too. Um, I still think they could have done a little bit better job getting off the field on third downs, but they made Brady uncomfortable. Like Brady did not look super comfy in that pocket. Matt Judon has been worth every single cent that we gave him. He's been phenomenal. Uh, yesterday he had more hurries. He had a oh, yeah. he had a sack. Also, I don't know. I don't know if they talked about this on the telecast. Tom looked pissed after Matt Judon sack. Did he, did they say anything on the? I don't think they said anything. He, I don't even know if I noticed he, that. I'm going to have to go back and watch it because he got up, like, hot and then, like, turned around at, like, Matt Judon. I was like, whoa, whoa, are we going to have words? 
I mean, I have words, but I loved I loved the game plan by Belichick. He wasn't going to get let let the Bucks beat him deep. Um, Mike Evans did cook J.C. Jackson in the first half, but what a what a second half by J.C. Jackson. Mike Evans didn't do shit. Um, mm-hmm. The biggest thing I think for the secondary, Jonathan Jones kind of got cooked by Antonio Brown, yeah. like on multiple yeah. occasions, and that that yeah. rubbed me the wrong way because oh, and let me tell you, I was. There was a kid next to me, so I was trying to. Oh, I was no. trying to be pretty Kurt. respectful. I was really trying to be pretty <laughs> respectful about what I was saying. But anytime Antonio Brown caught the ball, I kind of lost my top. I oh no, I was fine until I saw his his pregame hype video. Did you see it? Oh my god, no. I'm gonna wait. Are we talking about Antonio Brown? Antonio Brady's. No, I saw him. No, I which one? Brady Brown's. had multiple. So yeah, um, yeah, that's true. Antonio Brown posted one like four hours before the game. Fuck Antonio Brown. Fuck Antonio Brown. He literally is up there, and he's like. It's the entire he. It's the entire press conference of when the the Patriots cut him, um, and Belichick saying like Bro. we're not going to talk about that all this stuff. Bro. And it's just like his caption was dumb. Everything was dumb. Oh my God. So he he posts that video, and then he goes into his press conference after the game, and heaps nothing but praise on the Patriots. How much he loved Coach Belichick. He said that okay, the buddy. he said that his time with the Patriots. Remind you, it was one week. Was the <laughs> Best experience of his life. Oh my God, this is bro. the guy who won a Super Bowl last year. And he says the one <laughs> week he played with the Patriots was the best experience of his life. I'm like, dude, yes. you still got your priorities all jacked up. Um, right. So I don't know. It was just that was that was a weird roller coaster of emotions. Um, right. But I, I did I did yell some things when he oh, caught no. passes. And I think the kid learned a few new words. Oh, um, God. But I don't know. What was your what was your biggest takeaway from the defense? So, okay, so I, I'll make a point about the defense, Kurt, and then I want to run something by you, and it's just something that I can't help but feel, and I'm trying to make sense of it. So you tell me what you think. So undeniably, we already talked about Matt jo- Mac Jones being playing very well yesterday, and that's a great sign moving forward. Undeniable that holding the Bucks under 20 points is amazing. The defense definitely played well. Clearly, we're rounding into form. And again, people forget we're getting Stephon Gilmore back at some point. He hope, yep. know, He's going to have to work his way back in the game shape, but he's coming back at some point. Undeniable, those are both well. However, and I don't want to, I don't love taking this side of things. It's just something that I couldn't help but think. I just have to think that we almost took every advantage we got from the Bucks and the situation to come out and get this result. And what I mean is, Brady uncharacteristically rattled in the first half. He was overthrown, guys, did not look like himself. You mentioned it already. That's probably something to do with the hype and emotions and all that being too jacked up, whatever you might want to call it. Raining. Again, I know Tom Brady's used to rain, but again, that's also bad. It was raining bad. Raining bad. Um, no Gronk. We've seen how integral of a piece Gronk has been for the Bucks this year. Feels like Brady like wants to get him involved all the time. He did have a couple connections with Cameron Brady yeah, or, yeah, or whoever yeah. it was, but honestly, he's no Gronk. That was something that was huge for us. And then on top of that, um, fuck, I had four points. I forget the fourth point. But basically where I'm going with this is we basically took advantage of all those things. And Then missing a field goal. Was that the fourth? Yeah, m- missing a field goal, yeah. So I think where I'm going with this is that, like, yes, there's undeniable things that you could point to and say we played well unaffected from those other factors. But I'm also just trying to weigh that with the fact that there were also all of the – oh, it was Antonio Brown dropping those catches at the end yeah. of the game. Like, if he yeah. had caught a couple of those, it might have been a different story. So all of those things, again, that are uncharacteristic maybe from the Bucks. I'm just trying to weigh in my head, like, how much of this am I saying – was pro was Patriots doing good stuff versus how much of it was taking advantage of situation? I don't know if there's a, a right or wrong answer necessarily, Kurt. I, I just would you know what are your thoughts about like 
both how we played and the good things we did versus those other things that may have happened. So the good thing is I feel like, you know, this team has showed flashes. This team is not going to win a Super Bowl this year. Like it's that's right. like they're just not. They're probably a year away from contending from anything like seriously. Like the Dolphins lost one point. Yesterday's loss two points. They're they have two losses by three points. They could easily be three and one. Easily be right. three and one. Um, so that's encouraging. But they're not, which is also discouraging. So I think something that concerns me a little bit. Of their four games, they've scored 16 points, 25 points, 13 points, and 17 points. That's a lot of games in the teens. You don't really want to be playing games in the teens. Um, yeah. That's just kind of putting your defense in a tough spot. And, again, I don't think that's Mac Jones' fault. I think there's just, there's just been issues. Um, right. And they will get ironed out. I still have a lot of faith for this team. I still think this team could win double digits. I do. I think they can do it. Um, but they're, they're going to need more of what – like. They can't go have a letdown game in Houston. Like, you have to go bury no. Houston. Like, you have to, like, yes. continue to make strides. Like, they made strides from last week to this week. Continue to go make strides. Um, so, I I also love – Donta Hightower was good yesterday. Like, Van Noy was good yesterday, aside from that pass interference on Leonard Fournette. But, like, there were signs that this team has kind of turned a corner. So, I'm, I'm, I'm of the mindset was everyone thought this was going to be a blowout. I didn't think it was going to be. A, I did not think it was going to be. A I did. I know. So you did it. You did but it. Bruno, but Bruno, Bruno, you're in, you're in the majority. So many people thought it wasn't going to be close, and it was. The Patriots had a chance to go ahead and win the game um, on a field goal, um, and that leads me leads me to the last topic here because we got to wrap it up. But yep. When Belichick trotted Nick Folk out there for a 56 yard field goal to to take the lead with under a minute to go on fourth and three from like the 37 yard line, eight yard line. Was it the right decision or the wrong decision? So I'm firmly, I've had a lot of time to reflect on this career. Well, you know, it's barely been 24 hours, but I've had a lot of time to <laughs> <Stay> reflect. Stay tuned. <laughs> um, I'm firmly of the decision that it was the right decision. And I'll, I'll give okay. you a couple reasons why. Number one, again, like you said, because our offense, we kind of got a little telegraphed. Like, I don't know if we were going to run it there. So they were already used to us throwing. No shot. Nonstop, no right? shot. We were we were going to throw. So it, again, yeah. like when you don't at least have the threat to run it, it makes it that much more easy to defend. Right. So there's that as the, one, the other option. Number two. Yes, I get it was rainy and a little windy. You would know more than me because you were there experiencing the weather. So totally get that. That's a factor when kicking. But Nick Folk. To his credit, like he had the distance, right? Like he yeah. he yep. he doinked it off the left crossbar, but it wasn't short, and it wasn't like it was nope. you know a lot short or a little short. It wasn't short. Period. If that had been a little more to the right, that would have gone in, right? Yep. So I think yes, that's maybe a little bit of hindsight, but I think the the fact that we had not proven we were gonna be able to be creative on offense, plus the fact that like he you could arguably say like that was a kick he could have made. And again, 56, yeah, that's long. But sometimes I feel like 55 is something we see kind of often. So one yeah. more yard, not that crazy. If we're talking 60-plus, maybe I would have been going yeah. for it. But 56, he was close. Like, he could have easily made it. I'm fine with him kicking it, especially because we were we were down two. It wasn't like that would have tied it or it's not like yeah. we needed a touchdown. That would have put us in the lead. So that right. even more so, I'm fine with it. So I will say, too, from being there in warm-ups and watching warm-ups, Nick Folk to that side of the field with not not the not the open side with the lighthouse, yep. the closed side where he missed the field goal. He made it from 58 oh, in warm-ups. There you go. So it's like uh, he had the distance. Um, here's why I differ from you, though. Oh, okay. I would I would I would have went for it. Okay. Um, now last night I thought it was the right choice to kick it, and then I thought about it a little more today. 
and this is something I haven't had to think about ever because he's always played on my team, oh, our no. team. If, if the Patriots kick the field goal and it goes in, it's 20-19 to 19 Patriots. Oh, there's time left. With 54 seconds, yeah. and the Bucks have two timeouts. Bruno, everyone in that goddamn stadium knows what was about to happen if that, if that was the case. Brady would have led them down the field, and they would have kicked the field goal, and they would have won the game. That's I, what happened. I didn't think about that. So I didn't, think about it. I didn't think about it either. <laughs> I didn't think about it either until I started to think about it a little bit more. So then I was like, I would have gone for it solely just to try to get it and then try to run the clock out and make Tampa use their timeouts. Right. Because Tom Brady's on the other sideline. Like, we've never had to think about that before. Yikes. But he is. So that's why I would have gone for it. Because I think the odds of him making a 56-yard field goal probably aren't above, like, 35%. They're not great odds. And Mac Jones had completed 19 straight passes. Um, I mean, he had a at some point in the game. So right, like right. he was he was doing his thing. So I think I would have put the ball in his hands and been like, "Hey, Rook, just go give it a shot." And uh, that's that's my only reasoning for that. I don't I don't hate the call. I don't, I'm not like passionate one way or the other. Um, during the flow of the game, I thought it was the right call to bring up the field goal unit out. So it is what it is. Pats lose. They're one and three. Need to bounce back versus Houston this week. Um, it's going to be a big game to get to kind of get back on track. Let's get moving forward and continue the growth that we've kind of seen from last week to this week. So, with that being said, uh, Bruno, we're going to skip three up, three down. We I already kind of talked it. about it. We we talked about it. Um, offensive line, you suck. You're the down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, Mac Jones, and those and those lads are the ups. The so, lads. The lads. So, with that being said, I think it's time for a stats guy segment. It is time. Let's go. Another Stats Guy segment with uh, yeah, Stats Guy. Stats Guy, welcome back. How's it going? Thank you so much. I'm doing well. I am actually not doing well. I just told the boys that I simply am not having a day, and mm. I don't think any of us are. Rude of you to assume genders in 2021, but okay, we'll or let to it slide. Assume time. I mean, who said I had a day? I didn't agree to or consent to have a day today, so thanks. Bruno, Sorry. isn't isn't time a social construct? Uh, obviously, I've taught you well, my Padawan. Uh, see, I learn quickly. Mm. Okay, I have no idea what just happened. <laughs> Love that. Um, so I'm going to move right into my first stat. Mm. And my first stat is actually a fact check stat correction on Ooh. last guy's stats guy segment. Mm. I mean, last week's stats guy segment. It's It's been one of those days. Mm. I actually can't speak in straight sentences. There, she, um, there, there you go with, uh, with the time and days again. What again. Are, <laughs> there what are I go. Where, there, there you I'm go. Just, I'm feeling friendly with the calendar today. Mm, So um, last week I talked about the history of the goalpost and I specifically referenced great, 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 great granddaddy Gilman in terms of all the football equipment he invented, yada, yada, yada. I was like really cliff noting all the stats and I said he was, he played defense, he talked to his high school coach about all the equipment that he was inventing, the um, tackle dummies, things like that. I also said that it was... Neil, sure, we'll call him Neil. Neil mm. Gilman's like great, 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 great grandfather. Couple things. One, it was his dad. <laughs> okay, <laughs> love that. So okay. close. <laughs> Second, he played offense. And uh. third, this is the coolest part. He wasn't. He wasn't sharing the tackle dummy information with the mill scraps and stuff with his high school football coach. He played for UConn. Oh. And he brought this equipment to UConn, and then they were like, oh, yeah, let's invent this. So pretty much UConn football, which is absolutely trash, invented football. Wow, that's wildly ironic. 
Yeah, wow. so I just really wanted to clear it up for the fans so that they, they should, don't start spreading false rumors about what they, we shared last week. They should take more time into using that equipment and mm. practicing. However, however, I will say the last two football games, have been, UConn football games, have been pretty good. Now, it's sad that we have to talk about games being pretty good because they can't win a game. But <laughs> still, that's a, that's a huge improvement from Randy Edsel. <laughs> true. This, this is a true stat. Hip facts. Okay, so moving right along into the third installment of Stats Guy segment and my new, uh, my new stats. Obviously, at this point, our audience probably knows about the takings place of yesterday, which was the football game betwixt the New England Patriots and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Correct? Uh, correcto. I didn't know okay. that was a game. Okay, me neither. So, I everybody on Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagram kept comparing mm. this game to the Super Bowl because they were honoring. Um, our ex-quarterback, Thomas Edward Patrick Brady, before Junior. the game. Junior. Before the game and during the halftime performance. <laughs> um, maybe that happened. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. But it really sounds like the Super Bowl. And so it got me thinking about the Super Bowl and viewership. Because mm-hmm. I felt like everybody and their great-great-grandfather was talking about this game. Um, so I did some search. And... It's only been a, a pro- it barely has been 24 hours since this game at the time that this research has been conducted. Not but even. That's why I said barely 24 hours. But mm. it, yeah. critical We're, listening skills are, wait, in fact, no, but critical. it hasn't been 24 no, but hours. You said barely 24 hours. Moving right along. <laughs> um, at the time, this research. Wait, wait, wait. Was hand up, hand up. I just corrected you about time. I, I corrected uh, you about time. Can't do that. At Stats Guy, you're absolutely right. Continue. But not really. I'm going to have to have a word with the inventor of the calendar after that one. And maybe report you to yourself, HR. Okay. Sounds good. (laughs) Okay. So I did a little research and I was like, what is like the average amount of viewers during a typical regular season football game? Do we have any guesses? Any submissions? Mm, I did see something on Twitter today about last night's. Uh, viewership, but for only from the Boston area. Like I know it got like a forty-five rated, or like, like viewership was like a forty-five. I don't know exactly what that forty-five cor- on a scale of what. See, I was getting to that point. I don't know 45%. exactly what that cor- what that correlates to, but I know it was. It didn't even crack the top five most watched games in like the Boston sports area for the Patriots and like in their history. So yeah. that surprised me. Yeah. So the average in 2020 in terms of viewership for a regular season game is 14.9 million, which is actually really surprising because I did not know that that many people tuned into football. So that alone was a big number to me. And then I tuned into last night um, and it said 22 million people between the ages of 18 and 49 watched last night's game. So that's what? Mm, Quick math, quick math. 8 million people. No, seven. Seven million people. Sorry, I know you're not a math guy, but Thank I you. am a math guy, and it's about seven. seven now million you're people. a guy. There you go again, assuming genders. Mm-hmm. Actually, you can be whatever you want to be. You. My name 20... is literally Stats Guy. <laughs> well, she spun that one around on me. <laughs> <laughs> um, last night, 22 million um, between the ages of 18 and 49. Now, I did conduct this research a couple hours ago, <laughs> and due to time research. zones, etc. <laughs> Um, and people being able to record games, that number might increase. But then I was like, okay, that is not a huge increase. And then I was like, well, what's the most watched football game ever? Do you have any guesses on how many viewers? 
Just regular season, not uh, Super Bowl. A Billy. <laughs> regular right. season, Ab? Yeah, regular season. You said the average was 14 million? 14.9 million. Last night's was 22 million between the Bucks and the Pats. And this is like of all time. What's the highest amount of viewers? See, you thought that number was big. I think that number's little. Like, I thought it would be more than that. I'm going to say the biggest ever was 29,000. I mean, 29,000. <laughs> God damn it. 20, right. I was close to with that. 20, 29 million. And I'm million. 10 years old. <laughs> 29 million. Um, simply incorrect. The most watched regular season football game was December 3rd, 1990. 90? And had 41.5 million viewers. People were bored on that day. Okay, oh. well, here's the tea. So I was talking about how the goalposts, they decided on the color yellow because it was when they were starting to televise football games, specifically on Monday nights, so they needed, like, a bright color. You have to think, like, 1990, they didn't have on-demand. They didn't have YouTube TV streaming services. They didn't have 400,000 different channels and networks to choose from. It was, mm. like, NBC, ABC... CBS. CBS, yeah. Like, that was, that was pretty much it. So, like, when people were watching TV, everybody was watching the same thing. So, 41.5 million viewers. That was a Monday night football game between the New York Giants and the 49ers. Simply two quite random teams. Um, and then the most amount for Sunday night football, which is more comparable to last night, was 33.8 million. So, you were pretty close if you were guessing the Sunday night football. Okay. Last stat. Yep. <clears throat> hit us. Hit us with it. Not really stat, but a continuation of my deep dive that I took on the stats about last night's viewership. Mm. I started diving deep into the Super Bowl, since that's what people co were comparing last night's game to, um, which was simply disappointing, um, considering the outcome. But the 2021 Super Bowl, the last one, um, which our good friend made an appearance in, mm. 96.4 million people tuned in. That's probably why that number feels small, because I feel like people... Right post like their Super Bowl viewership more so than regular season stuff like that um, which was the lowest <laughs> watched Super Bowl since 2007 which Last was year? when wait for it the Chicago Bears played my favorite team the Indianapolis Colts your favorite Last team for the last two weeks have been the Browns Right, but sure. on other appearances of myself on playing the field, um, the Indianapolis Colts have been a guest for a lot of the trivia that you give that's, me. That's so yep, can confirm, can confirm um, that with, with evidence. I I do love a good Colts shout out. That was that was the next lowest. Let's so, just which get is one shocking. thing. Hold on, hold on, hold. On, we're back up. Let's just get one thing straight. We don't like the Colts around here, Ab. Like you can, they can be your like one of your favorite teams, but only because you hate them so much. So let's just get that right, right out. Yeah, there. no, no, no. The Indianapolis Colts, I consider them one of my favorite teams, pretty much for the same reason I consider the Cleveland Browns one of my favorite teams, Cincinnati Bengals, because I just feel like no one likes them. I love the Bengals. I think because <laughs> simply because I love the paint in their end zones. <laughs> God, you're so strange. Um, I'm you. gonna I'm gonna give you a stats guy segment. Um, have you heard the thing about the Indianapolis Colts and the banner that they hung? Mm. Absolutely not. Okay. Well, <laughs> the Colts have been the butt end of a joke of many jokes because many. in 2014 they played the Patriots in an AFC Championship game. That was during the time period where like Tom Brady made like 45 consecutive AFC Championship games. Don't check my math on that, but about 45. Um, and 
the Colts obviously lost, and they hung a banner that said, like, 2014 AFC Championship Game Finalist. So you hung a banner that you made the AFC Championship Game, and then you (laughs) lost. People don't even hang banners for, like, winning an AFC Championship. Well, maybe you do. But the fact that the the Colts did that was just like, hmm. I've lost all respect for you. You went from That's, having Peyton Manning to then celebrating lo- losses in championship games. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of when I quit the lacrosse team freshman year of high school, and then now I'm a coach of the girls' lacrosse team, and the head coach at this last year's banquet gave me a lacrosse pin for my varsity letter that I earned managing football. Um, <laughs> pretty much feels the same as the Colts raising that banner. Good God. So I that. You know what? That's still going to be ha- – I'm having a hard time wrapping that whole part around my brain. But, Ab, very interesting. Oh, you're not done. Oh, No, I'm simply more? not done. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Jeez. Loaded stats guys segment this I'm week. Like, my goodness. I made a whole note in my phone. It's quite long. Well, I couldn't even capture it all in one screenshot if I wanted to. you got places um, to be, so let's go. So I talked about the 2021 Super Bowl being the lowest in viewership since 2007, which is – wild sauce to me considering it was Tom Brady's first Super Bowl appearance not on the Patriots and also his first season not a Patriot whatever continuing on I'm gonna interrupt I'm I'm interrupting no sorry this is a this is a real thing like people have Brady fatigue like people are so tired of seeing Tom Brady they're like I'm not watching now it does make me feel a little bit better that everybody just thought he was bad and it was the Patriots that made him look good it's like no he's obviously still elite yeah he's not with the Patriots well yeah no shit but like at the same time like up here in New England Tom Brady is God Mm. to many people or whatever you believe in but at the (laughs) people believe in Tom Brady up here yeah I like how you spun that around however I'm just saying like I think people have Brady fatigue also with COVID last year like I watch sports here and there, but like I mm. got used to like living without without them. So yeah. at the same time, it was kind of strange. Well, it was also weird because they were like filtering in crowd noises, and you could tell, and it was annoying. So whatever. Um, so then it made me think. Well, what was the most watched Super Bowl of all time? Any guesses? Well, my guesses are so wrong. Bruno, you guess first. I mean, like, is it a? Are we allowed to ask if it's a Patriot Super Bowl? Sure. Is it a Patriot Super Bowl? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, it was definitely 07 versus Giants to see if they went undefeated. Well, what about like what about like Patriots? Like I stand by my on guess. That big market like Seahawks. No, Seattle's too small. Well, it's, it's New York versus Falcons. New York versus Boston. I think it's 07. Ab, hit me. Okay, what is it? Um, so I'm actually going to drop the bomb that it was Super Bowl 49, which was Pat Seahawks, Seahawks. 2015. <laughs> Bruno, nice job. Big which, brain. <laughs> Which makes sense. You're like, I completely agree. Like Giants, Patriots, huge rivalry, but also it's like in one tiny little corner of the entire country where all those fans reside. Like Seahawks, it's like on the other side of the country and every fan in between, I feel like tuned in. Um, Anybody remember what the halftime show was? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Holding. Lady Gaga was the Falcon Super Bowl because my dad Mm -hmm. texted me during it that we were going to win. I told him he was stupid. Um, oh, what's a generic band that could be Maroon Five? Mm-mm. No, they no. were no. Um, Think about someone who might raise the viewers. Remember, as the most viewership, uh, Beyonce. Uh, no, Lil Brett. That my sh- Bruno Mars can't see me and <laughs> oh, also Bruno can't Mars. feel Was the it inside Bruno of my body. Well, thinking well. about the Beyonce halftime show just put my entire body into shivers. Okay. It was so good. No, it was okay. Katy Perry. 
Um, it was 114.44 million viewers. That sound of that slapping that you guys just heard was Kurt slapping himself in the head because he loves Katy Perry <laughs> and is simply shocked that he didn't think of that. Wifey. Um, so that, I think, definitely drove up viewerships on that one because Katy Perry doesn't do anything simply. Um, I didn't know this, which is literally why I'm here. Screaming. That halftime show was nominated for three Emmys. I didn't even know that Super Bowl halftime shows could win Emmys. This is obviously not one that's televised. But let me read you the names of these nominations, okay? I don't even think I can... I This is where my dyslexia is going to kick in. Outstanding short format live action entertainment program. Okay. Do you guys if, know that that's it does, a category? No, but it does fit that bill. I can't even figure out what that means with those words in that order. Sound Next it out. One, Sound it out. out <laughs> outstanding lighting design and lighting direction for a variety special. That one makes more sense to me. And the third was outstanding costumes for a variety of programs or a special. We did get and that they shark won two meme. of those. We, we did get that shark meme oh, from... Yes, right. Left Shark, which is literally wild that they won an Emmy for Outstanding Costumes for a Variety Program, and it was freaking Left Shark. Thank you, Left Shark. Sheesh. And well, didn't then... She, well, she came in riding a, a, like a robot lion. That was pretty dope. She's She does what she wants, and yeah. she does it succe successfully. Her, her boobs had spinny things on them at one point, too. That was distracting. <laughs> Um, mine do too, depending on what context I'm in. Um, so okay. then last last little itty bitty detail of research I dove into. Great. I was like, Katy Perry has literally won two Emmys for her Super Bowl halftime performance. What other awards has she won? Oh, God. Oh, my God. Katy Perry. <laughs> Katy Perry has been nominated for 13 Grammys and has never won one. I need to get to voting. Mm. She that album that had like seven number ones on it didn't win a Grammy. No, and I didn't do the research to figure out what ones they were nominated with and who the contenders were. But she joins a list of people who have been nominated for Grammys and didn't win. That include Queen, Queen, Nicki Minaj, Sia, Busta Rhymes, Blake Shelton, The Beach Boys, Dean Martin. You are screaming. I'm passionate. Jimi <laughs> Hendrix, Snoop Dogg, and my personal favorite that I saved for last. Martina McBride, which, if anybody knows me and Cart very well, I oftentimes call him Cartina McBride. Can confirm. Um, so that's why that one's my favorite. But that concludes my Stats Guy segment of the day. Really just... Long. Um, diving deeper... Okay. <laughs> diving deeper into my personality, which is bringing pop culture into the mix um, and straying far away from football um, and ending on Katy Perry. So if anybody wants I... insight on actually how my brain works during the workday, you just experienced it. Nice. Starting on one task, ending on something absolutely not related. Hey, I respect it. I respect it. Stats guy, thank you very, very much for coming all along for this mm -hmm. another another joyful, wild ride. Um, Bruno, any any thoughts on Miss Perry in that segment? Well, you know, everyone who listens to this podcast knows we like to stray very far away from football. So appreciate that uh, little little uh, tip we got there. Um, hopefully we win an award for this stats guy section. <laughs> maybe um, an Emmy. Maybe an Emmy. Who We'd knows? probably get nominated. We we better win if we do. But you <laughs> if know, we don't, be... then we get to be on a list with Katy Perry of people who are nominated and don't that's, win. So who's the wow. real winner? That's a win-win. I like yeah. that. That's where we ended up with the segment. Yep. So thanks for tuning in, everybody. Another beautiful edition of this podcast, as well as the stats guy segment. We will see all of you next time on Playing the Field. Bye, guys. Do you ever feel like a plastic bag?
drifting through the wind, wanting to start again. That's enough. <laughs>